When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833 833- 995 gold that's 833-995-GOLD, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. He served our nation for over seven years before he was severely injured during training. He was paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Tunnel to Towers paid Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, removing a financial burden for him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his specific needs. Tunnel to Towers helped severely injured service members and first responders, as well as Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders. It's already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. The foundation is also committed to eradicating veteran homelessness. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. And thank you, Johnny Donovan. Wonderful to be here with you on this beautiful Monday across the greatest nation, the greatest country in the world. I am Brett Witterbull. And, uh, This week marks Biden's first 100 days this Thursday, 100 days for President Biden. Or as I've been uh, thinking about it lately, I've been thinking about I can't believe it's only been 100 days. It feels so much longer from the the border chaos to the uh, remaking uh, fundamental transformation of uh, of the economy and and all of that. I, I just it's absolutely stunning. It is it is an absolutely stunning thing to behold. And guess what? The polls understand that you don't like it. It's starting to be reflected in the polls. And as we know, the almighty highest authority in all of the world of politics is always the polls. You look at the numbers out there, people, well, they think he's okay on COVID, but everything else, he's basically underwater. Really, it's 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 incredible to look at these poll numbers for President Biden and the Biden-Harris administration. There is an 81-point gap on approval, President Biden, between Democrats who think he's 95% awesome and Republicans who think he's 14% awesome. That's even wider than the 76-point partisan gap for the president back in April of 2017. That president was Donald Trump. 
But Joe ran as a uniter. Joe ran as a guy who could get things done across the aisle. Look at what's happening on the border. By a 31-point margin, voters are saying border security is worse than it was two years ago. 56% a majority thinks Biden winning the election is completely or mostly behind the increase of migrants at the United States southern border. And 67% are extremely or very concerned about illegal immigration. On the economy, two to one negative. 29% regard the economy as excellent or good. 69% say fair or poor. That's a little changed since the end of the Trump term when it was 3366, but... Remember, in January 2020, before the pandemic set in, 55% rated economic conditions positively. Joe Biden has supposedly triumphed when it comes to the to what it is that's happening with coronavirus and the rollout. But it's not translating in the poll numbers to the broader issues. In fact, it was uh, the the, uh, the House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy of California on Sunday. He characterized these first 100 days as a bait and switch. What was the bait? That Joe Biden would govern as a bipartisan. But the switch is he's governing like a socialist. McCarthy says he's not had a single meeting with the president in the first 100 days. Rush talked about mythical 100 days of the Obama administration. I'd like to refer to it, my friends, as finals week. And according to me, and I have put together a list of things that I have noted since the outset of this administration. I have just put a list here together in no particular order, just off the top of my head, of the things in this administration that have stood out to me since it began. Admiral Blair admitting the CIA received high-value, life-saving information from terrorists, while President Obama is condemning the same interrogations as immoral and counterproductive. President Obama is throwing and has thrown grand White House parties with Kobe beef, a hundred bucks a pound, while telling the nation to cut back in order to survive the greatest economic downturn, supposedly since the Great Depression, bowing to the king of Saudi Arabia, listening patiently and respectfully, while a two-bit dictator lectures Obama, it was Daniel Ortega, with false charges for 50 minutes about the criminal country he leads, And Obama doesn't say one word to object, one word in disagreement, does not stand up for his country at one point during the Summit of the Americas. He has run around the world and apologized for the greatest, the most compassionate, the most innovative and freedom-loving country in world history. We had the nomination of tax cheats to his cabinet, including the man who oversees the IRS. Five tax cheats in the Obama administration. We have Obama's joke of a press spokesman who makes a complete idiot of himself on a daily basis. He sends back a symbol of freedom, that bust of Sir Winston Churchill, to Great Britain just after moving into the White House. He wants nothing to do with it. He did it of his own volition. They said, you can keep it. said, no, we don't want it here. 
They said, put it in a different room of the White We don't want it here, and sent it back to the British Embassy. It was given to us, President Bush, after 9-11, by the Brits. He insulted the Prime Minister of England, the Queen of England, with embarrassing, thoughtless gifts. We have the French President Sarkozy ridiculing Obama's messianic complex, inviting him to walk on water at Normandy Beach. We have Iran taking a hostage, an American journalist, as Obama promises better relations. We have North Korea humiliating Obama with their missile launch. We have Obama putting the country in debt for generations to come while promising fiscal responsibility, offering up laughable budget cuts, banning lobbyists from his administration while appointing them left and right, openly lying that Caterpillar would hire up with the passage of his stimulus bill, then watching while that company lays off thousands after the stimulus bill passes. He pledges to close the prison at Guantanamo Bay where I have a thriving merchandise business. But then he keeps it open with no plan for its future, proclaiming total transparency while keeping secret who got the TARP funds, when, where, why, being incapable of communicating without a teleprompter, while the press declares him a Reagan-esque great communicator. He attacks a private citizen broadcaster from the White House as part of an orchestrated plan to distract the country from legislation and policies we don't want, which thus touched off a political firestorm. All of this while claiming to be a unifier. He makes a ham-handed attempt to nationalize the banks, preventing financial institutions from paying back TARP money they don't need or want. He has made bad situations worse with car manufacturers, and the worst is yet to come. He has sparked hundreds of protests involving hundreds of thousands of Americans at tea parties regarding irresponsible government spending, while his homeland security chief labels peacefully demonstrating Americans and veterans as security risks. Oh, yeah, moving the, uh, the the census over to the Commerce Department to politicize that. I mean, this administration has been one part joke, one part unbelievable, one part and many parts scary. Because while all this has gone on, this man is reported upon and reported to be the best president we've ever had, a shining light, a beacon, historical figure. His foundation is leftist. He identifies with anti-American politics. He laughs. He yucks it up with these people who hate our country. Sorry, folks, it's just tough to stomach, tough to deal with on a daily basis. It's incredible because Rush took great notes on Obama's presidency every day. And I can only imagine Russia's notes that he's making up above right now on President Biden's first 100 days and what they include. The Associated Press it runs an absolutely fawning breakdown. It's 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 embarrassing to read it. I, I almost had to read it under the covers in the dark with a flashlight. Uh, so fearful was I that I was going to be outed for reading this thing. Biden's first 100 days where he stands on key promises. And you go through this and they break it down. Uh, by by subject climate change he's made four uh, he's made seven promises he's kept four what are the four 
taking executive actions to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. That's that's nothing. Rejoin the Paris Climate Accord. Okay. Support an amendment to the Montreal Protocol to curb hydrofluorocarbons. So that's just to support an amendment. And to convene a World Climate Summit. Yay, a Zoom call. Where he was the only guy wearing a mask. In the shot. On the economy and taxes, well, he's kept four of five promises. Extended a pause on student loan payments. Okayed pandemic economic relief. Reviewed the U.S. supply chain for vulnerabilities in key sectors and has taken steps to strengthen, quote, by American measures. The only one left is to raise corporate taxes. Oh, wait, that's going to have to be done legislatively. It goes on and on and on. On gun control, he's 0 for 4. He, he, he uh, has partially met the desire to send Congress a gun control bill, which will be rapidly rejected. Reauthorize Violence Against Women's Act. And uh, to commission an attorney general report on restructuring agencies to most effectively enforce gun laws. And then on health, he's kept five of eight promises. Mandating masks on federal property, rejoining the World Health Organization, support 100 mass vaccination centers, vaccinate 100 million Americans, deploy mobile vaccination clinics. Everything he's done has been for show. And it's cost us tons of dough. And this is not the way to go. I'm Brett Woodable, your guide host today on the Rush Limbaugh Show on the EIB Network. And I am Brett Woodable, your guide host today on the EIB Network on the Rush Limbaugh Show. So we have a big speech coming up later this week. Uh, President Biden is going to do what's essentially the fill-in for a State of the Union address. Though it's not the State of the Union address. It's a, it's a, a joint address uh, to Congress. Uh, and the Senate will be there. The House will be there. Um, And they'll be listening to all these big ideas that President Biden has to roll out. And one of the biggest, maybe the biggest potentially uh, dangerous idea that he's going to roll out is this capital gains tax hike. This thing is monstrous. We're talking about a a capital gain tax hike so serious and severe that it caused the, the Dow to plummet last week at the end of the week. He wants to raise taxes on millionaire investors to fund education and other spending priorities as part of an effort to overhaul the U.S. economy. Biden will also seek an increase in the tax on capital gains to 39.6% for those Americans earning more than $1 million. And uh, reports are saying that the president will release that proposal formally uh, as this week unfolds as part of the uh, to, to fund the American Families Plan. So. We're looking at a massive tax hike, a massive, insane tax hike at a time that we really don't need that. Well, Rush talked about capital gains or the my on the spot analysis of the Democrat debate from 2019. What you do is you raise the capital gains tax. It is obscene that rich people who make their money investing get such a small tax rate compared to people who are working for their money. Now, there are people who do nothing but play stock market. That's how they earn their money. They sit there and they trade stocks and they try to trade in a way that makes them a lot of money. And on capital gains, appreciated stock, stock that you buy and it ain't gains wealth or gains value in money, the capital gains rate, 15, 18, I forget what it is. He wants to raise that because it just isn't fair. It's not fair that people who don't work should have a little rate where people who are working pay more. And 
lowering the capital gains rate is what results in unforeseen amounts of money pouring into the country's treasury. But no matter how you slice it, these people want to start raising taxes. They get into guilt trips about having money and being rich and agreeing that they're not paying enough in taxes. It's just, it becomes tiresome. It just, it's worn out. Nothing new. Nothing but guilt over having been successful and a promise to get rid of the success, get rid of the wealth. A promise to make the rich pay their fair share. You talk about a tired, worn-out cliche that the rich aren't paying their fair share when the top 1% is paying almost 50% of the entire tax burden now. When you look at the arguments that are being laid out by not just Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, but at, at the Treasury Department level, where, where you've got Janet Yellen going around the world attempting to cobble together an agreement uh, with all these other countries that there will not be... Uh, any of these uh, other nations out there that will undercut everybody else in terms of tax rates, right? So so we're going to have a 28% corporate tax. Let's just make sure everybody gets together and colludes. Remember when collusion was a big word? Well, they're going to say, we're just going to get all these countries together and we're just going to agree nobody goes below 28%. Are we all in agreement here? Nobody goes below 28%. So you take this discussion that's happening in the United States today, and, and this is important to understand, because money, money is fungible, and money will flow to the places it is respected and valued. You're not going to go and, and, and invest in a country that's got a, a 50% tax rate or a 100% capital gains rate. You're going to say, I'm not going to that country. I don't want to put any money in that country. I, I want nothing to do with it. I'm going to go where there's blue skies, and I can make money, and I can make a profit on my money, and, and all that sort of stuff. So you have Yellen going around and deciding, okay, let's collude with all these countries to agree to a minimum corporate tax rate so that no company can go find a greener pasture uh, someplace else. So there's no escape. There's no escape at all. Then you have President Biden talking about raising the capital gains tax rate. As Rush explained brilliantly, right, that's, that's the appreciation, and then you get hit for that difference and Biden wants to take it to like 40%, basically. But we're talking about a massive amount of, of money getting drained out of the market. Remember what I said? Money will go to the place it's respected. If, if you're treated poorly as a customer, you're not going to go back to that restaurant or back to that bar or back to that store. Well, money behaves in the same way. Investor, investors behave in the same way. And investors are, are the evil class of people, right? That's what we're supposed to believe. The, the, the investors are evil. No, the investors fund because you're investing your money in a 401k or an IRA or, or some other uh, a fund that you're using, or you're an individual investor who got a great inheritance and you want to you want to uh, uh, use that to invest. What is that fuel? That fuels innovation. Biden and Harris and Pelosi and Schumer think that the only innovation that can get funded is is if you use government dollars pumped into uh, a sector, the green sector. Uh, the cylindras of the world, that sort of stuff. That's the way you, you build wealth. Nonsense. Where was the government money that went into Google or Apple? Where was the government money that went into uh, Snapchat, that went into all this? These are investors who ponied up money and said, yeah, I think that Instagram thing might work. I want to be a part of that. I want to buy a piece of that. Why do you think people are running a Bitcoin? Because they, 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 want, they want to put their money someplace where the government doesn't have an easy time grabbing it. And so... 
the consequence of all this is, is you're going to have what? Less innovation. The stock market will not climb the way it has. All of that is going to be a huge challenge. These are the same politicians in Biden and Harris and Bernie and Elizabeth Warren and the whole lot of them who are all fabulously wealthy. These are not people selling pencils on a corner. These are people who have made their millions and billions, right? These are people who are doing very, very well for themselves. So who is really being targeted? It's not going to be the rich Wall Street fat cat with the hedge funds. It's not going to be that guy. And it's not going to be poor people because poor people, I'm directly impacting you know, poor people because they're not plowing a bunch of money into investments. It's going to be what they call the strivers, those people that are climbing up the ladder, those people that are trying to become the next Jeff Bezos or, or, or the next Elizabeth Warren or, or the next uh, Hunter Biden with all this wealth. That's, that's who's going to end up getting hurt is the striver class, the people who stay up late and, and chart their path forward, who are trying to get funding for their companies. This will hurt venture capital. This is going to hurt a whole lot of stuff out there because people are going to say, I'm not going to invest in this. I'm going to take my investment and I'm going to go to Singapore. I'm going to go into Southeast Asia. I'm going to go over into the Middle East where they'll respect my money. That's a fundamentally dangerous thing that we've got going on here, folks. This is a fundamentally dangerous approach. And what this is, is an attempt to corral you by getting that minimum possible corporate tax rate around the world so you have nowhere to go. It's got the policy practical effect of putting you up against the wall, holding you against the wall with one hand while taking your wallet out with your other. Because capital gains aren't just stocks and hedge funds or any of that. They're houses, they're real estate, they're property, they're businesses. They're they're things of value you might want to sell. You have a right to keep your things, and you have a right to profit off of your things. Government wasn't there with you when you took the risk. Government doesn't deserve a piece of it right now. Brett Witterbull on the EIB Network. We have heard some massive absurdities coming from... Uh, the FBI in the last number of years. I mean, we only have to go back to the uh, to the Russia investigation to to hear the uh, the, the lunacy and the conspiracy stuff uh, that they floated into. But this may take the cake. This may be the single worst blunder, maybe in in modern FBI history. Did you see this story from uh, from last week? If you didn't, you need to know about it. Remember the congressional baseball shooter? That's right, that summer of uh, 2017 when the congressional, the Republicans were out practicing at their, uh, at, at their ball field uh, prepping for the congressional baseball game. Well, Brad Wenstrup is a Republican from Ohio, and he revealed an utterly shocking fact when that deranged leftist James Hodgkinson opened fire on the congressional Republicans in 2017, nearly killing Steve Scalise from uh, Louisiana. The whip, the GOP whip. The FBI has ruled the shooting a suicide by cop. Even FBI agents disputed the ruling. And, and Wenstrup said, no, no, that's that's what they did. They've, they've defined it as a suicide by cop. Despite the fact that the law enforcement officers that were there were were in plain clothes. So Hodgkinson, Hodgkinson brought a, a rifle. One hundred and thirty six rounds were fired. He attempted to assassinate, you know, 25 members of the U.S. Congress, including the, the, the whip. 
And the FBI comes back and says, well, no, we think this was suicide by cop. He, he, he wanted to die. He was desperate. He, he wanted to die at the hands of the police, even though nobody knew that there were plainclothes cops there to protect Steve Scalise because he was a, a leader in the uh, in the party. It makes no sense. It's crazy. Well, uh, Rush, Rush uh, talked about this. Bernie Sanders told his Facebook followers to fight back in unprecedented ways against Republicans who want to kill people. Bernie Sanders did a Facebook appearance last night in which, after the shooting of Scalise and others, Bernie Sanders is back at it, encouraging his supporters to act in unprecedented ways to fight back in every which way they can. You talk about tone deaf, or you talk about having no concern about any of this. We were talking about fueling the fire and throwing gasoline on it. Bernie Sanders has come along and done that. And he's going to make it very tough. You know, he had all these people stand up. I'm not going to hold Bernie Sanders responsible for what that shooter did. I'm well, Bernie is, is making the case that he might want to be linked to the guy even more closely than he already is. This is Bernie Sanders. Remember now, James Hodgkinson was Bernie's biggest Facebook fan. When you read what Hodgkinson wrote to letters to the editor, when you read some of his other posts on Facebook, it's clear that he was inspired by the words of Bernie Sanders. Now, nobody's accusing Bernie Sanders of pulling the trigger. But I'll tell you, folks, I hate this one-way street stuff. You know, whenever there's a mass shooting anywhere, uh, the left wing, in their minds, justified to start blaming anybody on the right for things they've done or said that nobody's ever seen. And yet when there is perhaps a genuine linkage here between this guy's mental state and media personalities and Democrat politicians, yeah, we're not. We can't go there. No, no, no. Very irresponsible. You can't do that. Well, maybe we can't. You can, though, on the other end. And then people say, Rush, this is not the way to fight this. This is just going to continue to divide. I'm sorry, folks. It is the way to fight it. They've got to be called out. They have got to be. You know, us turning the other cheek here has been going on for I don't know how many years. And uh, it, it isn't solving anything and it isn't changing anything. In the meantime, our culture continues to be debased. Our politics can everything. These people are politicizing virtually everything now, debasing everything. And it's got to stop. And helping stop it requires being honest of what's happened. So here's Bernie during a Facebook Live event last night. He and Elizabeth Warren, the Focahontas senator from Massachusetts, took questions from viewers. And during the Q&A, one of the viewers named Mary said, Senator Sanders, how do we fight or stand up to stop? This proposed health care bill, how do we get it examined? How do we stop it? How can a citizen stop this bill in the Senate? What can we do? When I talk about a political revolution, this is what I'm talking about. We've got to stand up and fight back. We have got to be involved in the political process in a way that we have never been before. Because what is happening now in Washington is unprecedented. So you have got to, Mary, act in an unprecedented way. Think big. Get involved in every way that you can. So, Mary, stand up and fight back in every way that you can. I don't know, is this tone deaf or is this just arrogance? I mean, what is it? I mean, we're always being told that we need to practice more sensitivity. Well, where's the sensitivity here? Congressman Scalise is still in the hospital. 
undergoing continued treatment, maybe even more surgeries, is improving and so forth. A number of other people were shot. And here's Bernie, arguably throwing more gasoline on the fire. Now, after Bernie made that statement, he and Focahontas continued to discuss it. Thousands of people will die. There's no question in my mind. What kind of crazy world what? is this? Our Republican colleagues are so cowardly, are so frightful that the American people will learn what's in their legislation. They refuse to have one hearing, one open discussion about it. I think it's beyond cowardly. They know which side their bread is buttered on. They know what the Koch brothers want them to do. This is unbelievable. You have an unbalanced person like James Hodgkinson, and he's driving around and he's already filled with rage. And he's already filled with hatred. He's already filled with self-loathing. The guy's got personal problems in his life. He can't control himself. He's undisciplined. He beats up people in his family. He is constantly enraged because that's where his party has put him. That's where the media has put him. The media puts him at rage and keeps him there. And Bernie Sanders comes along and thousands of people will die. This is a recurring theme of the Democrats and the media, that Republican policies are going to kill people. And we're told that we're the ones that need to moderate. We're told we're the ones that need to tone it down. We're the ones that need to keep a sense of balance. This claim about Republican policy has been made about the budget, about school lunch cuts that were phantom, that were never there. The Republicans have been accused of wanting to kill senior citizens, of wanting to kill women, of wanting now to kill sick people. Thousands of people will die. Sorry, that is the epitome of irresponsibility. It is dangerous when you consider how many untold thousands of loyal Democrats are running around out there in a state of mental imbalance teetering on the edge, and they continue to be told that not just a political party, but all the people that vote for that party are out to kill them, are out to destroy them. This is hand-in-hand what I was talking about yesterday. Bernie Sanders cannot enter the arena of ideas and debate. He will lose. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, none of them can enter the arena of ideas and actually debate their ideas. They can't defend their ideas. Their ideas don't stand a chance if they are put forth and people are actually voting on them. So the Democrats have to destroy the credibility and the character and the lives of their opponents. This is their primary political weapon. Motive, opportunity. You, you saw 136 rounds fired, and the FBI, at the end of all of that, says it was suicide by cop. It was suicide by cop. Makes you wonder what's going on over at the uh, FBI. Well, I can tell you this. You can take the guesswork out of what your cell phone bill will be next month. Get the cell phone service that Rush suggested, Pure Talk. They have a $30 a month plan, unlimited talk, unlimited text, and six gigs of data every month. That's likely more than you'll need for just $30 a month. And if you go over, they don't charge you the difference. Compare that to your current service, and your family might save $800 or more each year. Rush explained it to us this way. Hey, folks, there's one sure bet. 
that you can make this year, and that is you're going to use your cell phone more than you did last year. That translates to bigger cell phone bills. You're going to be paying more for it unless you are proactive and do something about that. This is why so many people in this audience are switching their cell phone service from one of the big providers to Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers you unlimited talk, unlimited text, and six gigs of data for just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't charge you if you go over your six gigs of data. Now, you compare that monthly price, 30 bucks a month, to your current cell phone bill. Just compare it. Your current cell phone bill, I mean, I would, I'd have to make a guess, but 75 80 bucks, depending on how many lines and phones you have. Don't know what it is, but 30 bucks a month for unlimited talk, unlimited text, six gigs of data. Now, here's the real icing on the cake. Pure Talk uses the same cell phone towers as one of the biggest cell phone service providers in America. They focus on providing great service and support with every Pure Talk employee located in the U.S. From your cell phone, do this. Dial pound 250 and say Pure Talk. Get started. You'll save 50% off your first month. That's pound 250 and say Pure Talk. Just pick up your phone right now. Pound 250 and say Pure Talk. Guess what? Somebody from there will answer and you're off and running. Great, great service. Coming up next on the Rush Limbaugh Show. The House passes D.C. statehood. I'm Brett Witterbull, your guide host today on the EIB Network. And I am Brett Witterbull here on the EIB Network, the Rush Limbaugh Show, your guide host today. The House of Representatives for the second time has passed a D.C. statehood bill. It's the second time they've passed this thing out. It is uh, going to head up to the Senate, which has a slimmest of slim majorities for the Democratic Party, with uh, Kamala Harris being the uh, the tie-breaking vote. Look, the reality is these these folks over on the left they're going for it. They they are they are going for it. That Rush Rush talked about all this and their approach in this call to action. Marik von Rennenkampf, State Department analyst and Obama regime appointee at the Defense Department, in an op-ed for The Hill. This guy's calling for Democrats to stop being cowards and to teach Republicans a lesson. If the Republicans dare confirm a Supreme Court justice for the vacancy caused by RBG's passing, von Rennenkampf says that the Democrats must take off the gloves and use fear-mongering to whip up their base. He says the Democrats must immediately impeach Trump again, this time on the pretext that Trump supposedly begged the CHICOM president to help with his reelection. The Democrats have to hold hearings. They have to flood the zone with anti-Trump witnesses, he says. The Democrats should also grant Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. statehood so they can seize control of the U.S. Senate by installing four new Democrat senators in perpetuity. The Democrats should also give big blue states like California more political power than states like Wyoming, which contribute nothing to our economy, he says. And the Democrats should enact what he calls an ultra-constitutional war on gun ownership in the Second Amendment. And to top it off, the Democrats should stack the Supreme Court by adding seats. Now think about this. 
Marik von Rennenkampf is a mainstream Democrat. He was a high-level Obama regime appointee. Perfect example of tyrants in waiting running the deep state, which Democrats claim doesn't exist while this guy is out proving it right here and now. I mean, look, here's the thing. <laughs> taking the gloves off. What would taking the gloves off look like? I, I'd say you've seen a, a pretty good example of the gloves uh, coming off uh, from this party and the way they try to fight, stacking the court, packing the court, all that sort of stuff. And in this next hour, we're going we're gonna to get into this war on policing. Let me uh, start by uh, going out to the phones quickly to Jerry in Binghamton, New York. Jerry, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, sir? Well, I... Uh... I have a few problems with some of the people being interviewed on radio today with uh, saying that policemen should start shooting people in the leg or in the arm and just wounding them instead of, quote, killing them. Uh, Policemen, first of all, are not trained. And I speak because I'm a uh, retired policeman. Thank you for your service. Uh, So I speak with some authority. Policemen are not trained to, to wound. We're we're trained to eliminate a threat. We're not trained to wound. We're not trained to kill. We're trained to eliminate a threat. The uh, point, in, in fact, is that a, a person with a knife is standing 15 or more feet away from a policeman with his gun drawn, aimed at the person. That policeman stands a better chance of being killed by that man charging him, yep. even though he shoots him. Mm-hmm. He's still going to get to him and if he wants to kill the policeman yes sir uh, policemen are not trained marksmen uh it's it's very hard to 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 hit an object and most gunfights sure. actually occur within within three to four feet mm-hmm. with police involved and you never know how you're going to react first of all but even in that distance police and other people miss all yes. the time, more yeah. shots are missed at that distance than than made. So to to say it's ludicrous to it's a say the policemen should be shooting people to wound them. It's a good, it, it's oh, oh, it's a, look, it's a it's a great point you raise, and thank you so much for your service in in helping to keep your community safe uh, there as a law enforcement officer. You know better than anybody, and I'd be willing to bet the vast majority of these people opining on how the police should do their jobs have never even gone on a ride-along with law enforcement. You can do it as a citizen. I just wonder how many of them would be willing to do it. I'm Brett Witterbull, your guide host today on the EIB Network. Brett Witterbull in on the EIB Network as your guide host today. Thinking about that call we just took from uh, Binghamton, New York, uh, the idea of uh, coming in and and, and second-guessing and rethinking how it is law enforcement officers, uh, men and women, are, are supposed to go about the business of policing. Really, the, the incredible the incredible story from late last week uh, out of Columbus, Ohio, illustrates the point in a way that really I don't think could be illustrated in any better uh, way. And that was you have a law enforcement officer show up on the scene and take action that saves uh, a young person's life because they were about to be stabbed by another young person. And... It's a tragic outcome. It's a tragic story. You don't want to see anybody lose their life. But that officer saved a life. So now you have erected another barrier between not just law enforcement and the community, but you have erected another barrier in in the decisiveness of a law enforcement officer showing up in a chaotic scene and making a decision to preserve life. 
Now, he has to rethink that. He has to say, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't have saved a, a life. And he has to gra- grapple with that, that feeling. It's profoundly unfair to these law enforcement officers, men and women. Another great hour straight ahead. I'm Brett Whittable on the EIB Network. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Pure Talk, the cell phone company we both rely on, is further investing in their customers without charging an extra penny. Pure Talk is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. That's right. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless provider has you covered at home and abroad. Pure Talk already puts you on America's most dependable 5G network, but now they're giving you coverage in more than 50 countries, too. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. You keep your phone number and your phone unless you want to get great savings on the latest iPhones and Androids. Up to you. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. The number one fantasy sports app in America is Prize Picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Five million members already active on Prize Picks. If you've not yet downloaded Prize Picks, do it today. Unlike other apps on Prize Picks, it's just you against the number. It's about the players and not the teams. You look for the sports you know best and that you follow the most. Then you make a single decision on each player projection, more or less, every time you play. You pick two to six players and make that one decision. You can win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four picks. More player action on prize picks now than ever. And it's the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states now. Prize picks also gives you injury insurance so your picks stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Download the free prize picks app and open your account. Use my name, Clay, for a first deposit match. Up to $100. Download the Prize Picks app. Use promo code CLAY, that's C L A Y, to get set up and get a deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Wonderful to be here this afternoon and uh, thrilled to be spending this time with you. Uh, the debate about policing in the United States of America continues to rage on, and uh, people from all different sides are coming at this challenge with a whole variety of different solutions. But if we take the 50,000-foot view for a quick second at the landscape across this country, one thing is is pretty clear. 
there is a population of people, I don't believe it's as large as it's made out to be, but there is a population of people who just don't like law enforcement. They're, they're, they're just a, in opposition to what it is that law enforcement officers do. Um, and, and, and law enforcement doesn't necessarily just mean the local cop on the beat or the state trooper. Let's be honest here. There has been a a a war on law enforcement for a very long time uh, waged in a number of different ways during the uh, the border crisis that took place in 2018. Um, you, you had uh, the the absolute vilification of men and women serving there in the Border Patrol, Customs and Border Patrol, uh, ICE, what have you. Uh, these were people who are committed to stopping human trafficking, drug smuggling, gun smuggling, uh, art theft, whatever it is that, that they are responsible for. And they were they were reviled. They were called Nazis. I remember watching Tom Homan, the acting chief, sit there and have to answer those questions uh, from from the representatives uh, there in the in the committee hearings. And he would talk about finding you know, dozens of people dead in the back of a tractor trailer truck who were being smuggled into the United States and how it broke his heart to see that. Law enforcement officers do a job nobody would ever want to do, by and large. If I didn't tell you it was being a police officer, uh, but instead just describe to you uh, the duties and responsibilities and the current station uh, in life in our social culture, nobody would take that job. They wouldn't take that job for 10 times the money that the police officers, the men and women, are taking right now. It is about public service. And in a country that's got, you know, well north of a, of a million law enforcement professionals, especially when you work in the retired uh, uh, men and women, um, you, you realize very quickly, very quickly, that this is a thankless job that you're always going to be said is being done wrong, wrongly. And that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate because we have the case of Makia Bryant in Columbus, Ohio. There's a case moving now out of uh, out of uh, um, Elizabeth City, North Carolina, Pascatank uh, County is going to be coming out. It'll be a big story in the coming hours and days of uh, of an officer involved shooting. But one person that I would always have thought like really kind of understood uh, this because she was a chief of police in Orlando, Florida, and that would be. Florida Congresswoman Val Demings. She's a Democrat. Uh, she was one of the impeachment managers, I think, in the first impeachment of, of Donald Trump. She was an impeachment manager. She was the chief of police in Orlando, Florida. She was on CBS's Face the Nation. She said this about the police shooting of Makia Bryant in Columbus, Ohio. The limited information that I know in viewing the video, it appears that the officer responded as he was trained to do with the main thought of preventing a tragedy and a loss of life of the person who was about to be assaulted. So that's a pretty big explanation. And it's direct, and it's coming from somebody who knows about policing, who knows about those responsibilities to preserve life, to preserve innocent life, to protect and serve the public. In fact, truth be told, on my own show, uh, I thought that Val Demings might have actually been um, an effective choice for vice president for 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 President Biden uh, to pick because she understands law enforcement. If you look at the current vice president and Kamala Harris, she was a district attorney and an AG, uh, but doesn't really show any kind of interest or 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 desire to to get into the the meat and potatoes of of law enforcement itself, which is exhibited by her 
inability to even get to the border and cites COVID as the issue. But but Val Demings, I think, with a terrific explanation. But none of this is new. None of this is unexpected. This is all absolutely expected. And in fact, Rush talked about the cops being in the crosshairs. Just a reminder to every police officer in this country, you are being watched. And I I'm very serious about this. You cops had better keep a sharp eye because the powers that be are looking to find another cop they can accuse of racial assassination and railroad, indict and convict. Police officers in this country are in dangerous jobs at great risk right now because they have a target on them. They have a bullseye that is being painted, is being drawn by the highest positions of power in this country. It's a very dangerous circumstance, very dangerous situation taking place here, folks. And the cops right now are in the crosshairs of the most powerful forces in this country. They failed to get what they wanted in Ferguson. They're going to find a way to get Didn't really get what they wanted out of Florida and white, Hispanic George Zimmerman and all that. They didn't get what they wanted in the Duke lacrosse case. They really want a win. And the cops are the focus, the target for that next win. This isn't the sort of thing that just manifests itself overnight. We've been at this now, in this current iteration, really almost a decade. Right? You go back to 2014 uh, when, when, when uh, Black Lives Matter... Uh, starts to take shape uh, in the wake of the, the the death of Trayvon Martin. And, and you see that movement begin to take root and to expand uh, across across the country. And one of the things I think it's worth tracking back to is where does this anti-law enforcement sort of POV, where does it come from? I go back to the radical 1960s. You go back to the radical 1960s, you have the anti-war movement back then, People in the military were, were were the devil, right? Men and men who were coming back from Vietnam were spit upon, mistreated in airports, were told not to wear their uniforms out in public. Were told not to wear the uniforms when they were when they were coming back home from from uh, tours of duty in, in, in Vietnam. That it was it was dangerous. It was rough. You move into the 1970s, the early 1970s. That's the heyday of the weather underground, right? And Bill Ayers. And, and Bill Ayers is out there uh, leading that organization. And you see uh, Cheza Boudin, who is now currently the uh, the district attorney in San Francisco, but whose uh, parents were part of that Weather Underground movement. You, you saw police officers assassinated in upstate New York during a Brinks truck robbery. Uh, you had radicals going out and, and committing these sorts of uh, atrocities against law enforcement, bombing Franz's Tavern, going over into the uh, Capitol and, and, and setting bombs off there as well. This has been a a long and practiced strategy. One only has to go back to the 2004 presidential election when the left was threatening to, quote, recreate 68. Remember that? That was the narrative that they were using. They were talking about Chicago. They were talking about fighting the cops, doing that sort of stuff. This is a this is a careful inculcation that is underway in, in our in our country. It's not lost on me that Bill Ayers, who was one of the leaders of the Weather Underground and was an advisor to to then citizen Barack Obama as he uh, started to make his run into politics. Uh, it's it's not lost on me that Bill Ayers 
day job was was running the education department there at the University of Illinois, Chicago, training teachers for tomorrow. It's the academy. It, it is the university system where you have this radicalization take root. And the, the the very sad reality of what it is we're seeing play out with this anger towards law enforcement is the fact that most most people who are working as police officers are middle-class, working background, people who have a heart for service. You're going to have people who should not be in that job. And you would hope that many of them are weeded out by background checks and investigations and things like that before you, you're you able to be a, a certified police officer. But the fact is you're going to have bad people get through the cracks. It's going to happen. And society... Every one of these institutions, whatever it is, government, law enforcement, the world of athletics, Hollywood, it's a microcosm of the broader society. You're going to have heroes and you're going to have devils. And this is what you see uh, playing out here, except that the Academy, not the Academy Awards, but but the university system uh, portrays these law enforcement officers as 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 evil, as wrong. They, They do it. They do it consistently with these activist groups. And so what we end up with now is another institution that's important to daily American life, law and order, being undermined because it's about the vilification of an entire class of people. I remember that terrible night in Dallas uh, back in, uh, in, in, in 2016 when that sniper took up a position and started shooting into the crowd at the Black Lives Matter march in the summer of 2016, and you had, I think it was six or seven wounded and killed Dallas police officers who were escorting Black Lives Matter protesters and who saved lives. We vilify an entire class of people at our, at our, own, at our own demise. The military. People in law enforcement. People serving at the border. There is no draft. There is no conscription for people to go out and patrol your streets. And one only has to take a look at the paradise that is Chicago under Lori Lightfoot or Bill de Blasio's New York or Ted Wheeler's Portland or the chaos of what's happening in Los Angeles with a murder rate up 200% under George Gascon or or Chesa Boudin's San Francisco to understand that very thin line between chaos and security. And you're going to see these people walking away from this job. I'm glad Congresswoman Demings was honest and truthful on faith, on face the nation talking about this reality in this situation, a heartbreaking situation for the Bryant family. I'm Brett Witterbull, your guide host today on the Rush Limbaugh show and the EIB network. And welcome back to the Rush Limbaugh Show and the EIB Network. Brett Witterbull, your humble guide today, your guide host, uh, taking you through all the big stories that are out there. There's a very interesting story coming out of New York State, and uh, I'm, I'm actually very excited about this because I'm a believer in the Second Amendment. I believe in all the amendments in the Bill of Rights, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm a big supporter of, of all of them, especially the Tenth. But on the Second Amendment, Supreme Court's going to hear a Second Amendment gun rights case That could be huge. It could be huge. The U.S. Supreme Court will soon consider whether Americans can be legally prohibited from carrying a firearm in public 
under the Second Amendment as the court announced Monday it will take up a challenge to New York State's restrictions on concealed carry licenses in the name of self-defense. The case is entitled New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Corlett. It concerns whether New York can legally prohibit people from carrying a gun outside the home without a license and challenges the state's practice of refusing licenses to those who can't show they have, quote, proper cause to carry a firearm. Because that's a that's an interpretable uh, phrase, right? Do you have proper cause? Well, yes, my ex-husband wants to kill me. My ex-wife is coming after whatever it is. The, the states then just use that to say, no, you can't have it. You can't have it. It's not uh, it's not going to be uh, for you. In a brief opposing the suit, the New York State Attorney General, Letitia James, said the state's policy is a flexible standard that's in line with the Second Amendment. And those who don't qualify for a concealed carry license, well, you can have a more limited license to keep your home, keep the gun in your home or for certain purposes like hunting. I always love that. That's always the fallback. Well, you can hunt. You're allowed to go and bag a grouse if you're so inclined. This has been a long-term target. The Supreme Court's going to be looking at this coming up in the fall. It's going to be a very, very interesting uh, case. Amy Coney Barrett's presence on the court, by the way, is going to get a lot more attention on this. Here's a... Rush talking about the left's objective is the confiscation of all weapons. The objective here, folks, the long term, the epitome, I mean, the nirvana dream is the confiscation of all weapons. They're not going to stop till they get that. And they're never going to get that, which means they're never going to stop. The objective is the confiscation of all weapons. And it's not because they think that'll stop the killing. This is what's so offensive to me about this. This is not about stopping the killing. It's not about saving the children. It's not about any of that. It's only about leftists wanting to control and have control over as much of the population as they can. That's why they hate the NRA. And it's not because the NRA spends a lot of money. The NRA spends very little compared to other major donors. The NRA is a very, very large and very, very successful grassroots organization. The NRA's strength comes from the depth of its membership and who those people are. And the left cannot undermine that no matter how hard they try. And they will never be able to undermine it. So they have to go after the guns. And all of this talk about changing regulations and laws, never forget the only people we're regulating are people who already obey the law. By definition, people are going to break the law. By definition, people are going to go get guns that are banned. In fact, the more they're banned, the more attractive they're going to be. It's not the way to deal with this. It's incredible to think that uh, they're going to make this kind of a move. I'm excited the Supreme Court's going to take the case, and I think we're going to see a very, very interesting uh, a series of briefs that are going to come out of that. Let's go out on the phones and check in with Dan in Carmel, Indiana. Dan, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Yeah, I was thinking about this uh, police shootings and everything, and I'm uh, really surprised that LeBron James, in his um, desire to help keep black lives of people, black people alive, wouldn't come out and say, please, whatever you do, do not resist arrest. Uh, they could start a fund that would help the people that are arrested by the police 
and have a lawyer to help look into whatever case they have to do, but go peacefully with the cops, call this 800 number, we'll arrange to get you a lawyer so we don't have any more police shootings. That's the bottom line. All we need to do is, not all we need to do, but it would really be helpful if they would uh, not try to resist arrest. Well, uh, listen, I I think it's an important point you raise about not resisting arrest. I think that goes across the entire spectrum. But I also think that it's important to understand that every one of these circumstances, uh, but for the fact that there's law enforcement involved in the shooting, every one of these every one of these cases is 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 different. And let's be honest, the the George Floyd case uh, with Derek Chauvin, no shot was fired. And so we have to look at each of these on, on their face. Derek Chauvin is one case. You have uh, you have Makia uh, Bryant is another case. Uh, you've seen uh, Dante White is another case. So it's it's not that there's this epidemic of one single sort of thing. Uh, you you have three different events that took place that have three different realities. You have one in which a police officer fired to preserve life. You have one in which a seasoned police officer uh, fired the wrong weapon, which is you know, negligent homicide. I don't know what they're going to end up charging that officer with in, in Minnesota. And then you have the case of, of Derek Chauvin, who takes, you know, nine minutes with his with his knee on, on the neck of George Floyd. And so each of these are, are, are different realities. And, you know, we have to understand that these different cases have all got to be handled. But if they're all different circumstances, then what is the unified uh, approach? Is it to disarm all law enforcement? Is it to say to the law enforcement, we're not going to give you any any weapon that you can use to take a life? Uh, I, I, I've seen Dog the Bounty Hunter out making the rounds on TV shows and saying, you know, we, we should replace it with wood bullets or we should do this or we should do that. Less lethal al- alternatives. Well, that's, that's, that's a great idea that you can do in the abstract until you run into James Hodgkinson, who fires 136 shots, try to assassinate uh, people who are members of the congressional baseball team. Every circumstance is going to be different. You're not going to be able to jam one fix on top of everything and hope that you're going to get the results that you seek. It's a it's a tough situation all the way around. I'm Brett Waterboy, the EIB Network. It's kind of incredible when you think about the way Hollywood comports themselves. It's it's the one industry in which the entire industry doesn't get blamed when there's awful behavior by people who are very senior in that industry. You go, you go back to Harvey Weinstein, right? You go back to the, to the Me Too movement and, and all of those uh, uh, challenges that happened. But no, nobody, nobody ever said defund Hollywood. Nobody ever said shut down Hollywood. And nobody ever said uh, we've got to get rid of Hollywood. We, these moguls have so much power. They're abusing their power. Nobody, nobody ever said that. And in fact, you, you actually have something called the Oscars that comes on TV once a year. Incredibly diminishing numbers. I, I, I know I, I peeked in on it was stunned that there was no masks and that they were in relatively close proximity. I would have thought this would have looked more like a, a Joe Biden car rally with everybody sitting in their uh, Bugattis and Rolls Royces uh, parked out in a uh, in a lot somewhere uh, celebrating each other. But uh, the Oscars were were on last night. And I think most of America just doesn't care about Hollywood anymore. If you think about it, in a lot of ways, well, Rush knew exactly what was going on. Awards ceremonies are to liberals what the 4th of July is to Republicans. 
You ever stop to look at it that way? They're 4th of July. They're independent. All of these award shows is where they get a national stage to trash America. And they make the most of it. And when they do, just like when the NFL had all of these people kneeling and so forth and, and showing disrespect, what happened to the numbers? They plummeted. In the NFL, they were trending downward anyway even before the kneeling began. And that might just have been cyclical, but the kneeling really iced it and made the drop significant and consistent. Well, Hollywood can't say that. They can't say there's too many award shows. And they don't even play the anthem at the Oscars, so there's no way anybody can kneel. They just disrespect America for the whole show. And I have to tell you, I'm long past the point of of being mad about it. I've been there, done that. It just, it's like the NFL, folks. When the whole NFL debacle began, I just got sad. Now, I'm not big into movies and and Hollywood like I was the NFL. NFL was a hobby. I loved it. I liked it. Something I very, very much enjoyed. And I just got sad when they drove me away. Or or, or when they allowed politics to creep in and the whole thing got corrupted. And it just it, it, it was impossible for the NFL to remain, in my mind, what it had always been. Just another area of America, another area of our culture, which has now been corrupted and taken over by the left, just made me sad. And the Hollywood thing is much the same way because these people are dumb. They're just plain dumb. They're just stupid. They're ignorant. Whatever you want to say, they don't know what they're talking about. The point of all this is that they've got, they've got nothing. They are just angry as they can be. And the, the, the way this country is divided right now makes me sad. I'm being flat out honest with you. I read some of these comments that these people at the Oscars make last night. They're just dumb. It's just it, beyond being politically leftist and so forth, the things these people think and the things that they say are just dumb. We are becoming more bifurcated, balkanized, and divided. There isn't any overlap, meaning there aren't any areas in which we have much in common. There isn't anything that binds us together as Americans. Because a significant portion of this country doesn't even like the country anymore. And it may even be stronger than don't like it. Some of them literally hate it. And then there's a bunch of people that don't hate or dislike, but they join the cacophony of hate and dislike because they think they have to in order to stay relevant. You know, we know virtue signaling is absolutely required if you're going to be a success in Hollywood. That that is an absolute locked in baked into the cake reality. You've got to be able to virtue signal. You have to do it. When you get your award, you have to get up there and and, and rant about uh, this cause or that cause or this issue or why the country is terrible. All of that. Well, I would recommend that when we're going to get around to the Oscars or the Emmys or the Golden Globes, People's Choice Awards is kind of a little different there though. But uh when you look at these big awards ceremonies where you're going to get lectured for four and a half hours by people who, who literally read other people's lines for a living um, or who write those lines for other people to say for a living, I would like to marry the idea of what we see in professional sports, which is now super woke. I'd, I'd like to see this marriage between Hollywood and what you see with the, with the big sports stuff. And I think there's a couple of ways we can do this. Remember what happened when the NBA played in the bubble? All the players had different messages on the backs of their jerseys. Why are these Hollywood stars and starlets standing there 
in front of us in these $5,000 gowns and $20,000 tuxedos. Uh, Why is there no signage? Like, I should be able to read... You know, a message on the on the front of the man's jacket or or the the woman's the, the woman's uh, a gown. I, I don't mean to alienate anybody. I mean, it could certainly be the man's gown and the the woman's jacket. But I mean, what I'm saying is, I'd like to know what the message is. What do you represent? In fact, we should do this when they bring the people up to speak at the Oscars. Should be just like the NFL. We could this would be perfect to be just like the NFL. You bring them. You bring them in. And when they come up to the stage, it's uh, I'm going to make up a name because I, I don't really keep up with all these Hollywood people. But I'll make up a name. OK, uh, John Smith. And they hear John Smith is coming up to talk about uh, uh, the, the new movie Grazing in the Grass, something like that. And then they have a little card that shows up on the screen. And it's John Smith, graduate of Juilliard, six foot two, one seventy five, one best supporting actor in supporter of Emily's list and donated $50,000 to the save the aliens, the save the space aliens fund. Like that would be, that'd be a huge help because then we could see, you know who the superstars are in the football, in the NFL football league, right? Cause you go, Oh, he was a center at USC. I remember that guy. Oh, Trevor Lawrence is out of Clem Clemson. Yeah. He's a quarterback. He's, he's really, he's unbelievable. He only lost like two games in his entire collegiate career. They were huge games, but he only lost two. And and you, you look at this and you say, why don't we do this for these actors? Why don't we just, I mean, look, it's gone flat. Nobody cares about these movies. Nobody watches half of these movies because it's like either on Netflix or Amazon or this thing or that thing or in the, nobody's in the theater. So let's spice this up. Let's, let's get these folks to compete for who's most wokest. Took no salary for this movie. That's good because it made no money, but took no salary for this film. Instead, donated it entirely to Bernie Sanders to get him a new jacket. It could be done, folks. We, we can do this. It's a, it's a way to reimagine Hollywood. See, they want to reimagine policing. Let's reimagine Hollywood. Maybe just have it go to pay-per-view. You know, Mother's Day is less than two weeks away. 13 days away on Sunday, May 8th. How about some gift ideas? How about putting all the family movies and pictures together for mom and everyone to see all organized and digitized and easy to access and share? Well, Rush had the idea first. Now, Mother's Day this year is going to be a bit of a challenge for people if they're unable to get together with mom. But regardless how it happens and where, the celebrations will include revisiting memories of times together in the past, in some cases long ago. Sometimes there are going to be memories of times long ago for which there are photos and films and videos, but you can't see them because they're so old that they're on formats nobody has anymore, like VHS or Betamax, Super 8 film, uh, slide projector kind of things. Sharing stories is great. When you can add pictures and video and old movies, it's that much better. And there's an outfit out there that makes this possible now. Legacy box. This is something people think that they can do themselves. And you could, but it would require an investment in a lot of equipment and it would take you a lot of time. And there's no reason to do it yourself when Legacy Box is out there and is willing to do it for you. Legacy Box digitizes and transfers old family films and videotapes onto either DVD or thumb drives. Or if you just want to put them somewhere in the cloud or a cloud server for you to download, they'll do that as well. 
so that everybody in the family or friends of the family can once again relive and see some of these memories, which nobody has seen in literally decades, because that's how old some of the formats are. Legacy Box has the gear to make it possible. They'll send you a box, the Legacy Box. It is shielded and protected. You put all the stuff in it. It will not get damaged in transit. They get it back, and they start the digital transfer, high speed, all that, maintaining the best original quality, and they get it back to you in a couple of weeks. So go online to LegacyBox.com slash Rush. LegacyBox.com slash Rush. Save 50% off your purchase at that website this week. LegacyBox.com slash Rush is the website. And again, just entering that will give you 50% off what they normally charge to do this. Rush was so passionate about the sponsors on this program. And with good reason, because they're absolutely phenomenal. When we come back, I'm going to share more of Rush's passion with you. I'm Brett Witterbull, the guide host today on the EIB Network. You know, Rush used Apple computers as long as I can remember. There was always one MacBook or another, one iMac or another on his broadcast desk. And on the days that Apple released a software update, they did so just about this time in the 1 p.m. Eastern hour. That meant that Rush was both keeping us informed and entertained while also running software updates on his computers, his iPhones, and his Apple Watch. Today would have been a perfect example. Apple's rumored to be releasing uh, its iOS 14.5 upgrade. Biggest change in the iOS 14.5 is a new feature that allows you to unlock your iPhone with your Apple Watch when you're wearing a face mask. The other big upgrade? Well, it's going to require apps in the Apple Store to require asking you for your permission to track your activity across the Internet. That's going to be a big problem for advertisers. When you're asked whether or not you want to be tracked or not, the majority of us say no. The whole privacy protection is new from Apple, who announced it back in January. So imagine Rush talking to you right now while updating any number of devices. This is what it sounded like just last July. By the way, I'm running beta. Uh, For those of you who... Run public betas of Apple's new software updates. You know, every summer uh, in June, Apple introduces in beta the new operating system that they release in September. And they, they also allow the public, anybody who wants to, to sign up on a, on a website to test it. Well, they're releasing the first public beta today of iOS 14. And I wanted to break that news to you in case you happen to be one who has participated in the public beta program before or you've thought about it. Uh, this is the day to sign up. There's a, an Apple website, beta in the name of it, that you use to sign up if you want to participate in the public beta. And the public beta, it's stable enough. They'll tell I'll you, don't things. put it on your primary device yet. But... I'm running beta two for the developer side, and it's really, it's really, really stable. You know, it's. I just I think back to the times I spent with uh, with Rush there in his office or or on the other side of the glass in the studio, and and seeing his passion for Apple was just it was awesome because it was one of those things that every one of us has somebody in our life who is so passionate, almost an, an, almost an evangelist about a particular product or a particular service or a particular thing. And he just, he was like a kid on Christmas morning when those updates would come through. 
And it was always absolutely fantastic to be there because you could see he was having so much fun and doing an amazing show for millions of people while he was updating. I talk about multitasking. Linda's in southern Utah joining us next. Linda, welcome to the show. Honor to talk to you today. Thank you for coming. Um, I just had a question regarding the D.C. statehood. And after, if it is becoming a state, how it would work as far as <clears throat> it would have a governor. Right. It already has a mayor. Mm-hmm. Does the mayor no longer have a job because the territory is now a state? <laughs> it's a good question. It's, it's, it's a good question. Um, what we're looking at with this bill that's moving out will will take essentially what you think of Washington, D.C., what I think of or what we think of the capital right uh, in D.C. That will become its own little section. So it'll be the White House, the federal buildings, the uh, Capitol building, Supreme Court, all that. That'll be like one part of it. And then the rest of it will be I think they're calling they're going to call it the Commonwealth of Douglas for Frederick Douglas is what they're looking to call this. So. My understanding of the way this bill is written is that it will have you'll you'll have a mayor. You'll also have a governor. You have a district attorney. You'll have an attorney general. You'll have uh, basically the replicated things that you see at the state level all compressed into this tightly, tightly uh, controlled bit of of real estate there in in Washington, D.C. You'll have two senators. You'll have. Uh, the requisite number of Congress uh, congressmen uh, to to represent that that district. All of that it'll it'll take on the same stuff that is the state. And I think it's uh, I, I think it's a tremendous mistake to do it. Not because I have any no disrespect to the people of Washington D.C. who are listening to this program now, uh, but it's prohibited by the Constitution. And I just I'm not really willing or able to accept the uh, the notion that. That's Jim Crow. This is Jim Crow. The founding fathers laid out a vision that apparently was good enough to impeach a president after he left office, but not good enough to handle the issues surrounding D.C. statehood. It's sort of the the cafeteria approach to the founding fathers and the Constitution. We don't like that part of the Constitution, but we like this part of the Constitution. We're going to rewrite this part of the Constitution to justify what we're going to do by creating a whole new state. Just because... We're now in charge. I'm Brett Witterbull, your guide host today on the EIB Network. I'm Brett Witterbull, your guide host today on the EIB Network. One of the interesting uh, stories that's out there that's still moving and still garnering a lot of passion is the idea that MLB decided they were going to move the All-Star Game from Atlanta and take it to Colorado. And the folks are, are, are furious on the ground there, the small business owners, the larger business owners, the hoteliers, the, the the folks that are in the tourism industry. And this thing cuts across the spectrum, uh, income level, uh, race, creed, identity, you name it. This is a huge mess. Well, somebody is trying to push back against Major League Baseball in a very public way. And we'll have that story for you straight ahead. But first, let me give you this. How bad were the Oscar ratings last night? These just dropped. The Oscar ratings last night? Whew. million viewers tuned in last night. That's according to Variety. 9.85 million viewers tuned in to the Oscars. Do you know what the number was last year? Last year, by the way, was an all-time low. Well, last night was a 58% drop from last year's all-time low. 
Last year, they had 23 million people watching. This year, they had 9.8 million people watching. So if, if, if we follow this accordingly, you're going to end up with about, what, 4 million next year, 2 million the year after that. And at some point, this thing, this thing is just going to keep going and going and going. How low can you go? That's the question. Another great hour of the Rush Limbaugh Show. Straight ahead. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Pure Talk, the cell phone company we both rely on, is further investing in their customers without charging an extra penny. Pure Talk is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. That's right. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless provider has you covered at home and abroad. Pure Talk already puts you on America's most dependable 5G network, but now they're giving you coverage in more than 50 countries, too. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. You keep your phone number and your phone unless you want to get great savings on the latest iPhones and Androids. Up to you. Go to puretalk.com slash buck and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash buck, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can afford to travel this summer. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Change the world for good by putting others before yourself to glorify God. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. With over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Let it flourish. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. People are starting to push back. You're seeing it in a lot of different ways. Those poll numbers that came out over the weekend on uh, President Biden's approvals, not looking so good. He, he's barely getting credit for, for COVID and on everything else. Uh, people are just not feeling the unity that he vowed 
just about 100 days ago. He'll speak to a joint session of Congress coming up here in the next uh, couple of days. Uh, Wednesday night is going to be the address to the uh, joint session of Congress. He'll make his way over there to the Capitol through the razor wire and the fencing and the stanchions and all that uh, to give a speech laying out his plan moving forward for the future. Uh, that future involves a lot of regulation. It involves a lot of taxation. It, it, allow, it involves a lot of power grabbing and Green New Dealing and double dealing and triple dealing and all that sort of stuff. And yet the people in this country are so robust and are so resilient that they're they're pushing back. Remember just a couple of weeks ago when you saw the announcement from Rob Manfred the baseball commissioner for Major League Baseball, that they were going to be pulling the All-Star game out of uh, out of Atlanta this summer because of the Jim Crow era law that was passed by the uh, legislature there and signed into law by Brian Kemp, the governor. Uh, that Those Jim Crow laws that expanded uh, voting dates, days, uh, that expanded uh, opportunities to uh, to participate in, in, in the democratic process in our constitutional republic. Uh, but, but it was President Trump, President Trump, President uh, Biden, who said that these were Jim Crow era laws. Stacey Abrams was encouraging him to do it. And so Rob Manfred said, you know what, this is getting a little too hot. We wanted to celebrate the life of Hank Aaron as the central piece of the All-Star Weekend in Atlanta, but we've got politics breaking out, and so we're just going to pull the game from Atlanta. We're going to put it over in Colorado, which has more restrictive voting than Georgia and has a smaller population of African Americans than Georgia. Well, the Jobs Creator Network, or the Job Creator Network Foundation president, Elaine Parker, said Uh, This weekend that her organization was calling out Major League Baseball for moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta over their objections to the new voting law. They're putting up a Times Square billboard right there in New York City. Parker said the commissioner clearly has all strikes and no balls. That is uh, why we put up the billboard in Times Square. That's that's her quote there to Fox and Friends. She added in Atlanta, you mentioned 51 percent. There are nine times as many black-owned businesses in Atlanta than in Denver, as much as they are following all this information and perpetuating these lies, they're actually hurting the very people they want to try to be helping in those communities. Well, politics is a dangerous game, especially when you're involved, when you're involved in, uh, in, in the business of sports. So I wanted you to hear this because in, in this clip, Rush talked about how pro sports leagues jumped on the COVID bandwagon in order to make themselves look caring and compassionate. It's the same with Georgia and Major League Baseball. They're doing this because they want people to to feel like uh, Georgia Georgia is is not doing what they should be doing. We're going to pressure Georgia. They're unhappy with it. Well, Rush called it wimp politics with good reason. More and more NFL teams are. You know what this has become. This is a PR bandwagon. Oops, we better close our facility so that the public thinks we care. It's like companies jumping on the climate change train to make customers think they care. Because companies are making the mistake of assuming that everybody believes in climate change, so they glom onto it. And why do they make the mistake of assuming that? Because they all pay attention to media. You know, one of the reasons... One of the reasons... If you watch the Super Bowl ads last couple seasons, how many of you have said, man, they just, I don't know, they're not what they used to be. They're not. 
advertising itself to me particularly television advertising, is nowhere near as creative and innovative as it used to be. And you know why that is? Because they've stopped deciding for themselves and stopped trying to figure out for themselves where culture is. And they're depending on the media. So they think everybody believes in climate change, so they glom on the climate change, this and that, and a company will be going green, announcing climate change promotions or whatever, putting polar bears in, in, in TV commercials and so forth. And I'll guarantee you what's happening here. This has become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the NBA cancels its or suspends its season. Well, the NHL can't be left off. The NHL can't appear to be irresponsible, so they cancel. Now, here comes the NFL. The NFL doesn't start playing until September, well, preseason games in August. But they can't appear to be insensitive or left off. So they're closing whatever they've got to close, which is nothing. Nobody goes to the NFL facilities except team executives. So they're shutting those down. Now, Major League Baseball is going to have to do something because their season starts next month. We've literally become a culture of a bunch of followers. And you have to look far and wide to find any courageous leaders anymore. It's a sad, sad thing. And it's because of the politicization of so much. And it's because of the dominance of wimp politics, which is liberalism, that is infecting everything. A bunch of wimps disguised as compassionate, concerned, sensitive people is wimpifying practically everything they can get their political hands on. Everybody's relying on the media's portrayal of, of, of this country every day to be representative of the national attitude on everything. That's why they think everybody hates Trump. They are convinced everybody hates Trump. They're convinced that everybody thinks Trump is an idiot and a buffoon. And that's not what the majority of Americans think. No, I don't know what to do about it. I don't know. I don't know how you you de-emphasize the the media. It's a question people have had for as long as we've been alive. Well, one of the big problems is the media is not being hurt by having no audience. CNN literally, in another time, another world, would be out of business. They would have had to shut down. They've got no viewers. They've got no advertiser revenue. But they're part of a conglomerate where they can act as the loss leader. They can use the profits of other areas of the corporation that owns them to stay afloat. Whereas a standalone, they'd have been bankrupt and shut down months, years ago. Two hugely important points that Rush raises there. The, the, the perils of getting political when you are, when you are a, a sports franchise or you are a league. It is perilous. You've seen it time and time again. The ratings that were down for the NFL with the kneeling. The ratings that were down for the NBA uh, season. They've been very, very weak this year as as, as well as uh, the period uh, in, in the bubble. People just didn't feel like tuning in. You you had a baseball delay itself. You had hockey uh, delay itself to an extent. You had NASCAR delay itself. I mean, you're driving around in a car by yourself. But I get it. There's pit crews. So you've got you've got all these people that are working in super close proximity. I understand uh, that initial concern. And we're starting to see all these sports obviously come back uh, in a better way. But don't ever underestimate when Rush talks about the idea of these uh, these these wimpy, wimpy leagues making these decisions. 
because of of what it is that the press is saying. That is a huge driver in the world of sports. That's why you had a a, a teenage girl running an 800-meter race in Oregon collapse at the finish line last week because Oregon makes you wear a mask when you're running a track race. And so you're not getting enough oxygen, and it just, boom, there you go, you're down at the finish line. But the press will try to create this impression that it's the most important thing you can do is to make your daughter who's running track wear a mask. They'll also tell you that everybody thinks Biden is doing a great job until we saw those poll numbers. And, and the only bit of daylight for President Biden on his, on his poll approvals, barely 100 days in, is the COVID rollout. The vaccination rollout, the way he's handled COVID. Uh, Let's be honest. How do you think Joe Biden would be performing if it were uh, right now April 26th of 2020? Uh, I mean, he would have been talking about many long, dark winters in front of us where we will have to wear masks for eternity. Uh, There was this is a guy who's able to. kind of put put some things together and say, we'll vaccinate 100 million, now we've vaccinated 200 million people, whatever that number is. But but he's not really a, a, a big policy driver. I went through the list earlier in the program. So you have, you have in the case of the media, creating this impression that you must move the All-Star game out of Atlanta. I mean, CNN was advocating that. CNN is in Atlanta. And they're telling you, we got to move, we're going to move the All-Star game out of Atlanta. It's terrible. It's the worst thing that could possibly happen is to have that game in it. Why? The media told you when the Texas Rangers filled the stadium three weeks ago that it was going to be a super spreader event and that thousands of people were going to die. Did you see any reporting on a super spreader event at the Texas Rangers game? Like They're literally always wrong. They never get it right. And that's the thing that Rush understood better than anybody in the world that these folks in the media always get it wrong and they're never held to account for how wrong they got it and when you point it out they try to cancel you they can't take the heat they are among the flintiest people going i'm brett whatever your guide host today on the rush limbaugh show on the eib network and i am brett whatever your guide host today on the rush limbaugh show So I don't know if you heard last week, but it was a big, big story. Caitlyn Jenner is going to run for the governorship, challenging uh, Gavin Newsom there in the beautiful state of of California, a state that I once lived in and one that uh, Rush uh, lived in, obviously, for a very important part of his life there in Sacramento. Well, here's uh, here's Rush's thoughts on Caitlyn Jenner. One little thing I want to run by you here regarding Caitlyn Jenner. I'm not going to tell you where this comes from, because I, I, I don't want, other than to tell you it's a Republican blog. Well, yeah, it is. Conservative Republican blog. I just want to run this by you. And you tell yourself what you think. With the momentum from this announcement and affiliation, Caitlyn Jenner inadvertently gave the Republican Party something it desperately needs more of. Street cred. Simply put, Caitlyn Jenner gives the Republican Party a sense of humanity. Because Bruce Jenner came out as a Republican back in what, March or April? 
And we assume that since Bruce Jenner has become Caitlyn Jenner, that uh, she's still a Republican. Caitlyn Jenner inadvertently gave the Republican Party something it really needs more of, street cred, an understanding sense of humanity. If the Republican Party overall was to warm up to these differences and use them as a broader tool to crush problems, not people, problems that really matter, like insurmountable national and student debt, ever-increasing national security threats, and domestic encroachments on constitutional liberties, Democrats would stand no chance. The passage here, what this means is that, that Caitlyn Jenner, as a Republican, proves to people that the Republican Party is a party that loves humanity, has now acquired and achieved street cred. And if the Republican Party could do more of this, warm up to these differences and use them as a broader tool to crush problems, not people, because as you know, what the Republican Party does is crush people. But if the Republican Party could take this endorsement by Caitlyn Jenner and use it to illustrate they don't crush people, that they are human after all, that they instead will crush problems, the Democrats wouldn't stand a chance. There, 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 there you have it. This is about control. This is about, this is all about control. The, the Democratic Party is going to be fascinating as you watch this with, with Caitlyn Jenner taking on Gavin Newsom. They will turn, they will, they will turn Caitlyn Jenner into just like this, the second coming of the greatest villain of all time. It's just going to be an incredible thing. Uh, to to watch play out there, but one of the overlooked stories coming out of California, um, and it's it's something that's not looked at a whole lot, and it ought to be considered a whole lot more, is this idea that um, the state of California produced the most, the most Trump voters in the country, just based on population, just based on how many people came out and voted for Trump. California had the most Trump voters. And this momentum to try to recall Newsom, by the way, I think is a huge is a huge story that ought to be looked at, because while it's it's likely to maybe not be successful, you never can you never you never can forecast out accurately um, what people will decide to do in the privacy of that voting booth or, or the privacy of that ballot harvesting center or whatever it is we're looking at. Oh, uh, it's uh, it's going to be something really fun to watch. I hope California gets liberated. I know what it's like to live behind the blue curtain. Let's go to Susan in Hillrose, Colorado. Susan, welcome to the Rush Limbaugh Show. I'm Brett Witterbull. What's on your mind? Brett, thank you for carrying on. Thank you. Um, I'm just in the Rush so I have a solution. Okay. We This administration, and I don't think a lot of people are paying attention, is run by the Chicoms. Every single one of these ridiculous, outrageous, proposals from open border and well we could go on and on about all the things that are wrong but we are just too polite the conservatives or are spineless we need to take the offensive right and we're so close to having the congress if we would get three or four democrats to switch to republican in the house and one or two in the senate we could change all this because i don't believe I don't believe that the 2020 election will never necessarily solve our situation. And time time is running out quickly. And I think if we could shame every time a conservative is on radio or TV or interviewed and asked, 
why is Biden doing this? Why is he doing uh-huh. this? The answer should just be plain and simple. He's run by the communists. He's bought well, and paid by the communists. Well, well, anybody who has survived a communist history, yeah. and they will, they're scared to death. Well, Susan, I, I, pre- I appreciate you calling, and I'm, I'm only going to I'm only going to uh, conclude the call because you're breaking up. It's 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 difficult for people to understand. But I got I got your sense of what you're talking about. I have no doubt in my mind that uh, President Biden is somebody who uh, uh, feels a, a an affinity for for what he sees going on in China, and I'm not talking about uh, the, the Uyghur camps and things like that. What I'm talking about is. He thinks he genuinely thinks China's just a competitor. So he thinks it's, you know, it's a Coke Pepsi. No, this is this is mortal combat between the United States and China. It's 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 such a serious point and it's amazing how overlooked this is. As we speak, the Russians are are building new weapon systems. The Chinese are getting more aggressive in in, in Southeast Asia um, and and taking over those 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 islands and and making man made islands and doing all this sort of stuff. They're challenging the right of navigation uh, in that area. President Trump was so spot on by redefining that area as the Indo Pacific region rather than the Asia Pacific region, because this is the this is the central focus of our challenge, strategically. It's going to come from that part of the world. You have in uh, Xi Jinping somebody who sees an opportunity to knock us while we're down. In his mind, we are we are a dying, we are a dying nation. We are a dying idea. He is the ascendant nation. He's cut deals with the Iranian government. He's got a $400 billion arms deal that he cut with the Iranian government that goes for 25 years. Why does China want to supply the Iranian mullahs with weapons? Because he wants to be the dominant player. The Belt and Road Initiative, where he goes out to all these countries in in Africa, sub-Saharan Africa and Asia, and he says, hey, we're going to build... We're going to build roads and bridges and infrastructure, and we're going to pay for it, and you guys get to use it, and all you got to do is just kind of sign on to our Belt and Road Initiative. They want the ability to be able to put stuff on trains in China and ship it all the way into, into Western Europe. And they want to be able to extend their, their influence into Africa and, of course, into South America. He is a guy who is looking 15 and 20 years out and he knows that President Biden has a limited window of opportunity. Okay, it could be could be four years. He gets he gets reelected. It could be eight years. But she doesn't have to worry about that clock. Neither does Putin. And so the point of all this is is that the orientation of Joseph R. Biden towards the PRC is 180 degrees out of phase because he thinks they're competitors. When they're acting toward us, the Chinese Communist Party, as our enemies. I'm Brett Witterbull, your guide host today on the EIB Network. You know, uh, the anniversary of Rick Monday saving the American flag. Rush loved this story 45 years ago yesterday. Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles during a game between the Chicago Cubs and the Dodgers. Cubs outfielder Rick Monday saved the flag 
from two protesters trying to set it on fire on the field. You know, folks, let me tell you I got a message from George Brett last night. You know what it was? His message says, boy, have things really changed. And it was a video of Rick Monday saving the flag from an anti-America protester at Dodger Stadium. in I think it was at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. Rick Monday became an overnight national hero because he saved the American flag. He ran out there and he picked it up and saved the flag and he was heralded and he was loved. He was a hero. He was an absolute hero for doing that at a time when things are a little bit, uh, well, let's be honest, a little bit tense. Vince Scully, play-by-play, April 25th, 1976, of Rick Monday saving the flag. I'm not sure what he's doing out there. It looks like he's going to burn a flag, and Rick Monday runs and takes it away from him. And so Monday, I think a guy was going to set fire to the American flag. Can you imagine that? better lose him in a hurry and monday when he realized what he was going to do raced over and took the flag away from him that's how you act like a patriot it is i've I've watched all these um i've watched all these demonstrations and protests throughout the years it's rare that you see somebody get involved and attempt to rescue the american flag from being torched and I, this isn't a discussion about, do you have a right to burn an American flag? Should you burn an American flag? You know, the, 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 the sort of stuff that law professors like to kick around with the law students. I'm just talking about your good, old-fashioned, rock-ribbed kind of feeling where you say, you know what? That's the American flag, and I'm going to step in and save it from being burned. In fact... The left burns so many American flags these days that it, it's it's almost become just a blur of these things. I mean, my gosh, 300-plus nights in Portland, and Ted Wheeler is now trying to say, I need you guys to help me. I need you to help me tell me who these guys are that are that are ripping Portland apart. Yeah, so, so, sorry, Ted. You're about a year too late to try to uh, win any, uh, any supporters over in, in that community. But, you know, you, you look at the situation... With sports in general, we've been talking a lot about sports this uh, this program. Uh, the idea of uh, moving the All Star Game out of uh, out out of Atlanta, putting it in Colorado. The anniversary yesterday of the burning of the attempted burning of the American flag. Uh, Rick Monday, a hero, saving that flag at Dodger Stadium. It's a big deal. Patriotism isn't one of these things that. That, you know, you, you're, you, you take it as one of these kind of add-on qualities. It ought to be something that everybody carries in their heart. And, and it doesn't mean you agree with everything uh, that America does or everything that every politician does. But you, you should have a love for the country. Who we are. What we are. What we represent. 330 million people in this country. We should be feeling that way. Should love our country. Seek to improve it where necessary, but never stop loving it. And that's 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 a challenge. I heard I heard Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham, over the weekend, uh, saying that he, he's tired of President Biden running it down all the time. A president's words mean something, and when you when you run the country down, or you you imply that this nation is somehow a failed uh, nation and not living up to its promises, 
that carries a profound amount of weight. See my earlier commentary about what it was that uh, Xi Jinping is, is looking to pull off. Let's go out on the phones and talk to Drive-By Joe, Brandenburg, Kentucky. Drive-By Joe, welcome to the program. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing well, thanks. Well, um, I actually just kind of had a uh, an epiphany earlier this weekend, and I was thinking, you know, about all these uh, BLM and Antifa uh, uh, so-called protests and, and riots, all this looting. Yes, sir. And it, it, what it's going to come down to is is a self fulfilling prophecy in these uh, these blue cities. You know, all of these companies are eventually going to get tired of being looted. They're going to eventually get tired of their premiums going up on their insurance, and they're going to start pulling out of these communities. And you don't have any mom and pop or small businesses anymore, especially in the in, in these you know blue states and cities. They've been completely shut down so what what are people going to do when target and the grocery stores and everybody's pulling out of these communities then it's going to become another battle of well these companies are racist they're not putting businesses in in these black communities and they're tired of being looted Drive-by, Joe, that's a hugely important point because we hear this phenomenon. We've heard it in the last, say, five or six years, this notion of food deserts. They always talk about food deserts in cities where you, you, you live in neighborhoods, but there are no supermarkets in the area. Um, the only thing that's around, you know, you've got liquor stores or you've got uh, small little convenience stores uh, where people can run in and, and, and get a couple of items, but you can't go in and, and do big-time shopping. Well, when you see these different businesses and we watched it over the course of the last uh, over the course of the last year. You see these businesses burned to the ground. You were talking about billions of dollars in losses, and in some cases, you've had politicians. I remember one in, in in Baltimore three or four years ago saying that you have to give the the rioters room for creative destruction. I don't even know what that means. Like I, I know what creative and destruction means, but I don't know what that those two words married together mean. Except it means destruction. And, and the fact the fact of the matter is, you talk to people. I, I I speak to people all the time in Charlotte. You talk to people that live in communities that that are that are having a tough time of it. Okay, the last thing they need is to have a store burned to the ground. That's the last thing they need. Uh, many of these folks who live in places like Chicago or or who live in New York City, they they're watching the slow unwinding of the fabric. That's our nation. It's it's a, a massively important. When when you see businesses pull out, you should feel like it's territory that's being surrendered to malaise. That's how we should feel about that. Nobody should want to see businesses that are thriving and employing people in the community pack the pack their stuff up and leave because it's not safe or shut it down because it's the second time the building's been burned. There was a a study done, an academic study done. um, I use that phrase loosely that was done in the last couple of weeks. And they said, listen, if you spray paint BLM or black owned business on the side of a building in an area where there's a riot that has occurred or is occurring, say like a Portland situation, um, or you have the choice of hiring somebody or you yourself stand out in front of your business armed with a firearm to deter looters. What do you think works better? And overwhelmingly, 
people willing to defend their property, or at least do a show of defending their property, are much better off than than spray painting on a on a piece of plywood over a window, imploring the mob to not destroy their property because the purpose of the purpose of people who would go in and burn businesses down is not to be reasoned with. Those folks are people that are bent on destruction. It's incredibly important. You know, I love the Limbaugh letter. Every monthly issue of America's number one political newsletters driven by Rush Limbaugh's vision, humor, and optimism, plus cutting-edge news and analysis. As long as liberals do and say stupid stuff, the Limbaugh letter will prove them wrong and call them out in their wildly popular special kind of stupid and stupid quotes features. Subscribe today, and your new subscription includes one free issue, a total of 13 issues. It's available in print and the digital edition. You can order today by going over to RushLimbaugh.com. That's RushLimbaugh.com. Up next, we'll have a high note. I'm Brett Witterbull on the EIB Network. For today's EIB high note, we wanted to share an excerpt from a column that Rush's niece, Kristen Limbaugh Bloom, wrote about Rush and faith. The whole column of which you can read over at RushLimbaugh.com. And Rush's own words describing his own belief in God. From Kristen's uh, column, shortly after he received his diagnosis, I was texting with Uncle Rush and sent him Romans 8.28 as encouragement. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He wrote me back, Kristen, I believe that verse to a T. He told me that, despite some misconceptions. This verse doesn't mean that everything that happens to us is always good, but it does mean that God himself is good. And that because of that truth, there's opportunity for good in everything that happens. That was Uncle Rush, always finding light amid the reality of a dark and broken world. Here's Rush marveling at the mystery and awe of believing and sharing a little of his own faith. One of my reasons for believing in God is that we, as created, have this magnificent ability to be curious and dream and imagine and to want to know whatever we want to know. But much of that we will never know. You're going to continue to ask, but the answers are simply not here. We're not capable We're not smart enough. We don't know enough. Yet we have these questions. What kind of a God would create beings who can ponder all these things, such as heaven, if it didn't exist? It'd be an ultimate cruelty to create beings that can live their lives or try to live their lives in such a way to achieve these great things. Then at the end of it, have it not be possible because it doesn't exist. No way to prove any of this. To me, it's faith. But I stop and ponder these things. I think about them, and I do it in a constant state of awe over the creation of everything and gratefulness that I'm part of it. And I wonder what's next because I firmly think something is. They haven't the slightest idea what. But my dad, when I was six years old, he told the story that that I asked him, why did he believe in God? And he says, here I am. I'm your dad. You're six. And I, you know, I want to answer your question seriously, but you're six. What the heck are you going to understand? I can't start quoting scripture to you. 
So he evolved the theory that I just shared with you, that he believed in a loving God that created all of this and presented humanity with the concept of eternal life, heaven, afterlife, however you want to refer to it, and a mechanism and means by which to achieve it. And he said to me, I just can't believe that a loving God would be so cruel as to create human beings who could ponder and attempt to achieve such things if they don't exist. And he was just trying to use simple logic with me. Had I been older, he would have gone to various scripture in the Bible, which would have answered the question. But it always stuck with me because it made sense. If you believe certain basics, loving God, God of creation, it's just all made sense to me. And I actually feel very sorry for people that don't believe in this. It's the essence of believing that there are things much greater than yourself. And the sooner any human being learns that in life, the better off that person's going to be. You know, I'm I'm sure that Rush and God are having some pretty lively conversations there. It's It's an amazing thing to ponder, right? Because you think about what it is that comes next but you know so often when when you're thinking that way you're thinking about the end of this and it's only that peace i think that we get from from god to us that allows us to understand that that's what we have to have that vehicle is faith right and so the confidence of rush's convictions when when you were around him or you heard him talk about the things he believed in, and I'm talking about whether it was on the air or off the air, but if you, you heard him talk about the things that he believed in, he believed in those things with, with the concreteness of you know picking up a, an item that's in your hand, a, a, a brick, a, a piece of metal, right? You, you're, you're fully confident that that's what's in your hand. You're looking at it. You're saying, this is this. That conviction is also what sustains you in many ways in your faith because you're confident. I'm Brett Witterbull, your guide host today on the EIB Network. A lesson to the blue states, the blue, blue, blue states. You want to encourage business to come into your communities because you want to employ your residents and the uh, folks that live there. Here in the state of North Carolina, where I'm sitting, we got a big announcement earlier today that Apple is building a new plant up in Wake County, up by uh, up by Raleigh. And you are uh, going to see 3,000 jobs brought in. It's a billion-dollar plant, 3,000 jobs initially, and uh, an expectation that there will be more to come. Why do I raise this point? Well, the, the governor of North Carolina is a Democrat, Roy Cooper. And he's somebody who fully embraced all the masking and the shutdowns and the closures and all that sort of stuff. He's right there in league with all the rest of them. But the state of North Carolina is committed to bringing business and employment to the people of North Carolina. You're not seeing that kind of behavior in California. You didn't see it in New York when AOC killed off the Amazon 2 headquarters in Long Island City. Andrew Cuomo, Bill de Blasio, Gretchen Whitmer... Phil Murphy in New Jersey, you name it. These governors 
don't understand the importance of business because without business, there is no money. It's important to understand that balance and to understand it every single day. People matter. And regulations can kill off dreams. I'm Brett Witterbull on the EIB Network. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. He served our nation for over seven years before he was severely injured during training. He was paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Tunnel to Towers paid Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, removing a financial burden for him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his specific needs. Tunnel to Towers helped severely injured service members and first responders, as well as Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders. It's already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. The foundation is also committed to eradicating veteran homelessness. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.